Hello and welcome to another episode of AUSU Open Mic. AUSU Open Mic is a podcast brought to you by your Athabasca University Students Union, which represents students from coast to coast to coast and all around the planet. I'm happy to introduce uh, Dr. Sunday Akin Olukuchu, who has been tutoring in Athabasca University since 2011. He has a PhD in public policy and administration and a PhD in theology. He's here today to talk to us about politics, voting, and the inclusion of the black community in Canadian governance, all a part of us celebrating Black History Month. Enjoy. I am so, so delighted to be here tonight. I am honored to be invited. I want to thank each one of you. And of course, the, the organizers of this event. I also want to, to thank those who are attending. And, and so tonight, uh, I, I want to start off with something I did six years ago when I was the, I was the um, opening ceremony speaker of the Black History Month some six years ago, and, and I, read few, I read some things during the opening ceremony. It's not going to be part of my presentation tonight, but, but I think it would be very good to, for me to open with this. So when you talk about Black, B-L-A-C-K, B for brave, L for loved, A for angelic, C for compassionate, K for kind, B for bold, L for lion-hearted, a for assertive, C for curious, K for kingly, B for beautiful, L for lighthouse, A for attractive, C for caring, K for nightly, B for buoyant, L for lovely, A for adorable, C for creative, K for known, B for brilliant, L for lifeblood, A for admirable, C for congenial, and K for knowledgeable. And finally, B for blessed, L for lively, A for affectionate, C for confident, and K for kindred spirited. Now, I also wrote something more like a poem. I have two. I, I, I love writing poems and I, I'm also, I'll, I'll probably tell you more about myself in, in, in a minute. But, but I also read this at that particular event some six years ago when I was the keynote speaker here. I say, all because we are black, we are back fully armed to attack those who caused the crack, all those who made us to lack, the enemies that caused our sack and those who carry death in backpack, we shall suck the quack and our system they cannot hack. Our blessings they will never pack and never will they be allowed to steal our snack. In making progress, we shall always be on track. Divine mysteries we will continue to unpack and our legacy shall no longer have a drawback because our spirit will always surge in with super spark. To the world, we shall continually give our good feedback. Suddenly we shall pre pre prevent messy financial kickback. Sunday, we shall eliminate causes of heart attack. Our great destiny, no one can ever hijack. Melodious sounds shall emanate from our awesome soundtrack, fully replayed in our beautiful flashback and shall remain great and glorious wisecrack. All because we are black. And then, of course, the final one I, I read that particular night that I think I can share here tonight. 
I said, upward we thrive, and in celebration we jive. We shall do more than survive, and we will continue to strive. And as long as we are alive, we will operate with forward-looking drive. Into trouble we will not dive, and our fortunes we never know dive. Even when enemies connive, dying hopes we will revive. Our glory shall come alive. A brighter future will soon arrive. Our people no one will ever deprive. And against us, no one can contrive. In justice alone, our joy derive. And our legacy shall live beyond the archive. Because we will always be in spiritual overdrive. Once again, my name is Sunday Aki Kolukoju. And so tonight I'm going to run through my slide. I know my time is not, um, I have limited time and I think I've spent a little bit of that already. Uh, but I'm going to speak tonight on politics, voting and inclusion of the black community in Canadian governance. Um, and of course, I want to thank the AUSU um, for, for, for this opportunity. I'm going to talk about who am I? I'm going to tell you briefly about me um, I'm going to speak briefly about what is politics, what is Canadian politics, um, what, and then of course I'll talk about the power of voting in politics. Um, we do know that um, but political game is a game of numbers when we talk about politics. Then of course I will talk about the Black community inclusion in Canadian governance. Um, of course, it, it's very important for me to separate or differentiate governance from government. Uh, just as we talk about global governance, being different from global government, there is no global government, but we have global governance. Um, a system in place where uh, things are get done um, by interactions, by connections, by collaboration. And, and so part of what I'll, I'll talk about tonight uh, would be some of the ways that the Black Canadians have been shortchanged. And of course, some of the things that could be done in the cause of making progress. I am a father, I am an uncle, I am a tutor at Athabasca University. I've been doing this since 2011. I am a community leader, I am a teacher, a preacher, I, I am a Christian, I, I have my PhD in public policy, I have my second PhD in theology, I'm a community leader, I'm a screen writer. Um, I, I'm actually a, a movie producer. I've produced six movies. They are all on YouTube in case you want to watch. I'm a husband um, of one woman for, the, for almost 25 years now. So, and we are blessed with two young men. Um, one of them has already graduated from the university. The other one is in, his, um, is in Aspas School of Business here at the U of M. Uh, I'm a minister and, and I, of course, I'm also a fundraiser. Uh, so I have my CFRA. Uh, I'm also a class one driver's license holder. I, I once drove a tractor trailer. So I'm, I'm, I seem to be all over the place. So you can just pick and choose whichever one you think um, you may want to refer me to. Now, moving on to the next point in here, what is politics? Uh, I, I love the way Britannica Dictionary defined it because it, it goes beyond the struggle for power within the public sphere. 
you know, politics can be in the bedroom, it, it can be in the kitchen, it can be in the family. So politics are the activities that relate to influencing the actions and policies of a government or getting and keeping power in a government or activities to keep power on an advantage within a group, an organization. So we do have a lot of politics uh, in the community. When, when, when I was invited to be part of the, um, the, the Winnipeg South um, Community Center government, we, we had to, we, we, we ran elections. I, I, I ran as the secretary and uh, against tough opponents and I, I won by landslide. I had to mobilize, I had to talk to people uh, to make sure that they are present at that event. And why was that? Because the, my, my counselor, my city councilor approached me and said, we needed some changes uh, within the governance system in our community. And so she encouraged me to come on board to run. So I had to mobilize. And so in a nutshell, in a very small um, Winnipeg South community, I was able to, to run for that election and then I won, but it's a volunteer position. The reason for that was because we wanted to build a $90 million community center. And the councilor wanted, and this, this 90 million came from the 30 million from the, from the municipal government, 30 million for the provincial and 30 million from the federal government. And she wanted people who would be more responsible when it comes to accountability. And that was how I got involved. Now, we, we can also talk about politics uh, in the boardroom. We can talk about politics within a community organization and organization we can talk about politics within the nation state like Canada. And we also talk about international politics or global politics. Uh, whichever direction we look at it, politics is a game of numbers. It's a game where you want more people to support your proposal, your idea. And of course, it's also a place where you, you have aristocracy of ideas, where you need to also mobilize people. You sell your ideas to them. They have to buy the ideas to support you. And then of course, you are able to project your policy, defend your policy, and eventually implement your policy. In Canadian politics, we, we do have, of course, Canadian politics, Canadian system of government is parliamentary, which is the Westminster system, which is imported from United Kingdom, um, which is where we have, of course, the, the, I believe I'm preaching to the choir here. We all know the system we operate in Canada, whereby uh, someone can be in government forever, as long as your riding continues to vote you back into power, uh, you can be there forever, quite unlike the, um, the American presidential system where uh, if you are vying for the executive arm of government, uh, because in Canada, we have like a marriage of the, the, the legislative and the executive. If you happen to control and you are the leader of your political party and you have the largest number of MPs, then you form the government. You are in the house, yet you run the executive. Uh, so that's the kind of thing we have in Canada. And we do have three major parties. Well, we can say four. We have the, the Bloc Quebecers, but they are not um, a national party across the country. 
quite unlike the conservative, the liberal, and the NDP. And so the liberal is the center, the conservative to the right, and of course the NDP to the left. Thankfully, we do not have far right or far left in Canada. And one of the beautiful things about the Canadian system of government is the possibility to reach the grassroots uh, because we vote these MPs from our different writings. I know my MP, I can walk into his office, he's a, he's a liberal um, man. Uh, and of course, within the province, I know my MLA, she's conservative, I can walk up to her. And within the city, which is the municipal, uh, well, of course, they do not run under any political party, but I do know that my, my councillor is, is more of a conservative. And, and so in Canada, currently, we do have a liberal federal government, but we do also have conservatives controlling many provinces, uh, including my province of Manitoba right now, uh, Alberta, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Ontario, and Prince Edward Island. And of course, the system is first past the post. You can win with 10 votes, with 20 votes, as long as you have the largest number of votes in the election. And so many of our leaders today, some of them, they won by maybe 100 votes or less or more. Uh, and that has been the practice. Uh, we are not running a system that is complicated, which is one of the beauties of the Canadian system of government. Now, in, in terms of politics, everything revolves around who gets what. How do you get? You get by mobilizing people, by engaging the system, and of course, by getting people to vote. So we can say in a nutshell that politics is the art of being involved, the art of getting others involved, the art of becoming self-conscious player to lend voice and add value, understanding complex issues and bringing personal views to, to bear on policies and programs, asking tough questions and seeking clarification and answers. Uh, this is where we deal one-on-one -on -one with, with many of our representatives, uh, the MLAs, the MPs, the councillors. Uh, it's also the art of mobilizing your community, the, the, the Black community, for example, uh, to vote, to vote and block for a particular candidate if you really want to have a powerful voice. And of course, the art of voting entails investment. You must have an investment either in terms of a particular policy that is very important to you that you want to see done. And across, um, across, across, across the country at different times, different people within a community have driven some, some particular agendas that they see uh, as very important to them. At the end of the day, everything said and done, uh, everything comes back to who gets what. The reason why we play politics, why we're involved is we want to get something, we want to get something from the system. Now, when it comes to the power of voting, uh, the total population of Black people in Canada represent 4% of the total population, 4%. And um, if you look at the numbers, you, 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 you probably say, well, in terms of representation in any um, areas, either on the board of corporations, either top of universities, top of the public service, uh, they, they have less than 1%. 
in terms of, of, of position. Now, here, here's a little breakdown from, from Statistics Canada. In Canada in 2021, the total population of black people is about 1.5 million. Uh, has increased between 2016 to 2021. So it's about 4.3% uh, in, in totality among the racialized groups. And so racialized group in this case, we involve, we're talking about Asians, we're talking about um, indigenous population, we're talking about um, Latinos. Um, the black population in Canada represent about 16.1% of, of, of that block. Uh, and of course, we, the black population enjoy right now a, a huge percentage of young people, young black people, which, which means that there's something in the future for them. So under 15 years old represent 26% of the black population. Um, so again, this is something that I'll probably talk about the implications very shortly. So again, number one, one of the implications here is that because we do have this number, we have more younger people than older people who are retiring. So which, which means uh, the, the black population um, stands the opportunity to have the opportunity of actually becoming a strong uh, voting block in, in the near future. And then of course, there's a projection. The projection is that these 1.5 million people uh, can actually be doubled by 2041, which is like 20 years from now, or less than 20 years from now, this number can be doubled, which will mean that politicians must find a way of listening or cutting uh, this, this particular group. Uh, incidentally, the, the, the premier of, of my, my premier here, um, she, she had, um, she had a, a dinner time with, with some women yesterday, among whom were one, of, one of them happened to be my wife. And part of that particular role is because now, uh, knowing fully well that in South Winnipeg, we, we're having increased number of black people and, and the need to, to make an inroad into that particular community is now. Now, don't, don't mind me with all these, um, all these graphics and, and, and everything they look kind of, um, but, but if you see, I, I wrote implications because all of these have implications. Uh, for example, where it says that uh, one third, nearly one third of the black population about within the age bracket of 25 to 64, the implication is that very many highly educated black people in Canada will end up being underemployed, which means many of us were employed to do um, to, to positions that are below our training. And so we, we end up wasting our minds because we are not challenged enough. Uh, and then of course, there'll be fewer jobs, fewer jobs that will be pursued because most of these top jobs will not be advertised. Um, then of course, the fact that third generation black women are more educated than men. And the reason for that is very simple. Most, most African men are, discovering something now, which is uh, they, they are, the, 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 the men are, are found to be, and this is, this is, this is, the, this is part of the findings that we're, we're discovering. Most black men that are highly educated, we 
be less likely to be employed than the women because they find the women less threatening. Uh, and so, again, this is part of what we've seen in the community. Um, so many, many men are no longer pursuing higher degrees because they realize that it's going to be a waste at the end of the day because they, would, they wouldn't be hired. Um, but the women will be hired. Uh, as a matter of fact, most Black people immigrating to Canada, their wives got jobs uh, way faster than the men. I again, that could be part of the fear syndrome that we're talking about. Another implication is that uh, when it comes to um, when it comes to that, uh, in, in terms of training, um, a, a lot of a lot of black people are stuck. They are stuck. Um, many of them will end up training people. Uh, they will they will hire new workers. They will train the new workers, and of course, these new workers will be promoted over them. And there's always a very good reason or excuse. They will say, oh, you are so, so good at what you are doing. We're so good, we can't find a replacement. So they, they will repackage in such a way as if this is the best thing for this man. And of course, the person that this person trained will be promoted to be the person's boss. So this is also something that is occurring and part of the, the implications. And some of these are not really encouraging many black men uh, from wanting to actually um, pursue higher education. Now, again, that, that seems to be a snapshot of, of, of what we're talking about when it comes to systemic racism that Black people are facing. Now, in terms of the implications, because again, you, you can see the statistics here, 58% of Black people aged, aged between 15 years or older reported that they had experienced discrimination in the five years before COVID. Um, almost 50% of Black people reported experiencing discrimination. And of course, 50, so you can just see the figure. The, so we're talking of more Black people um, reporting that they've experienced discrimination. Now this have, and then of course, Black people are 8.4 times more, more likely to experience discrimination. Now, this, 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 this is not good in so many ways. Number one, it affects Black people in terms of anxiety, depression, feeling of guilt, emptiness. Many will fail exams. Um, your know, stress level is very high, high blood pressure, ill health. It lowers their self-esteem, their sadness. And, and so all of these are some of the things that the Black population in Canada um, we continue to experience for, 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 for a while. Uh, if you look at the, in terms of senior management, again, this is from Statistics Canada 2022, uh, you will notice that the, the Black people, as, uh, apart from the Filipino, and, and of course we do know that when it comes to education, uh, the Filipinos, most of them are not as educated as the Black, according to what research says. But the Arabs are the ones that benefit the most when it comes to getting senior management positions. And this has been very consistent, uh, even more than the non-racialized population. 
So we, we can see the, the way people fear the, after the Arabs, we have the non-racialized, which means we're talking of people who are not racialized. We're talking of Caucasians. Um, then of course, after that, we have the, um, the Chinese, and then, and then of course the South Asians. And um, the, the black people are struggling in that category with, with um, Latinos, and, 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 but they seem to do better than the Filipinos. The Filipinos seem to be more in number at the lower cadre uh, of organizations. But of course, again, they are not as educated as, um, because, because many of the blacks have first degrees. So again, again, in this graphical, you can graphical illustration, you can see the scorecard. Uh, and of course, so the implication of this is that many black men will interview and hire non-black who will eventually become their bosses uh, because they will train them. They will then, of course, they will promote them over them. And so this is what has been going on within the Canadian society. Now, when it comes to voting and political involvement, against, again, this is where the rubber meets the road. In terms of engagement, uh, the, the, the black population seem to be the most engaged when it comes to uh, within, within the racialized, racialized population. Uh, they, are, they are the most engaged in political, uh, political engagement. But when it comes to voting and voter turnout, uh, they are not doing well at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, at the last municipal election, the, the, the voter turnout among the black happened to be the lowest um, within, within the racialized population, which, which tells a story about the fact that it's either they are not smart enough to be engaged or they are disoriented or discouraged or possibly they are just because many people don't vote because they are working, they are work scheduled because now they work scheduled uh, uh, shift work. Many of them may not have time to do that. They may see uh, paying bills as more important uh, than creating time to, to vote. Many are frustrated within the black population because they are actually not doing the kind of job they were trained for. And, and so, Many don't even want to be involved in politics. Unfortunately, uh, and sadly, they, they don't get it. That, that is one of the ways for them to change any policy. Now, so again, this is, this is part of my takeaway. While the Black Canadian people engage most in political activities, this did not translate into the highest voting block they ought to be. The implication of this is that the Black Canadians are not rooted in or to our local politics. At the same time, they're also divided when it comes to vote block for a particular, particular party. Um, the, in terms of religion, and, and so I'm, I want to make a connection now. In terms of, in terms of religion or religious, relig the, the, the religiosity of racialized group, uh, the black population, 70% um, self-declare as Christians, 70%. Uh, unfortunately, the, 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 the fact that they seem to have the same religious affiliation with most Canadians 
um, did not translate into any advantage for them. Uh, most, most, most board members of corporations um, are people who are not Christians, but of visible minority extraction. So this is also something to take away to, to realize that uh, being a Christian is not an advantage in Canada. Now, while other racialized groups coalesced and domiciled in the same neighborhood to give power to their votes, the Canadian Black population are not that strategic. Currently, most Black people in Canada, uh, they, they live in, in scattered neighborhoods. Um, excuse me, many of them actually prefer to live in neighborhoods where there are no Blacks because they think they don't want the other Black people to, to, to kind of poke nose into their fears. Unfortunately, this is actually shooting themselves in the foot, so to say. Now let's move on to, again, some of these things in terms of, um, uh, again, talking some of, some of these religious composition and, and, and some of these, one of the reasons why the Black population may not be able to speak with one voice is that they are also very, very divided in terms of religion, in terms of, and when I talk of religion, even within Christianity, uh, many of them, we, we do this, they, they, they say they are, some are Protestants, some are Catholics, some are Evangelicals, some are, so they're all over the place. And, and of course, they, they really, really do anything together. And then of course, when it comes to ethnic and cultural origin, uh, over 300, and of course, when it comes to mother tongue, about 450. So you can see the divisiveness. And of course, where there's divisiveness, there won't be any, there won't be any unity. And that's part of the problems why they will not have one voice. Um, and, and of course, the fact that um, four in 10 black people were born in Canada. Now, the implication of this is, is that most second generation, third generation black Canadians are not, when it comes to affiliation, they are not really, really uh, uh, connected to their heritage. Uh, I have two sons and, and I tell you, they don't speak my first language, which is from Western Nigeria. Um, they, they've already been to Nigeria once, they were born here. One, one, is, one is going to be 24 uh, this April, the other one's going to be 23. In, in May, and, and, and they'll, they'll probably just tell me they, they, they have nothing, there's nothing for them to see. Um, so they don't have any connection to their black heritage, so to say. Uh, and so you, you, once you remove that, even from the collective black population, you, you have a small number. Uh, and of course, many of them, they, they, they later on realized that they're still black. Um, that's the reality. Um, and if you are black, you are black. People will see you a thousand miles away. They know you are black. You, you can't hide your identity. You cannot claim to be who you are not. Um, people, people know you. And so these are some of the things that um, a lot of uh, the black Canadians will continue to see. Now, now, again, in terms of mother tongues, 450 mother tongues um, were reported uh, the, the good thing, though, is, is that most Africans who are immigrants, they come from either French-speaking or 
English-speaking parts of Africa, for those who came, or, or the Caribbean, for example, the Caribbean, they speak English. Uh, we talk about Trinidad and Tobago, Jamaica, and all of those places. Uh, again, that gives, it's supposed to be an advantage. It is an advantage because linguistically, they are able to actually integrate easier. But that's where the advantage ends. Because many of them, they come with some of these colonial vestiges of colonialism, which, which they still carry like a, a baggage. Uh, and, and so at the back of their mind, they still see some of their differences culturally. They still, they still, they still engage in tribal, in tribal warfare, so to say, um, among the people from the same country. And so, so you, you don't have the kind of unity that can build a cohesion or a, 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 or, or, or a winning team among the black people. In 2016, 62.7% of the third generation or more black population reported more than one origin compared to 40.7% and 17.3% of the black second and first generations respectively. Now, the implication of this, and the, the, idea, the idea here is that by the time my own kids who are second generation Canadians, um, my boys, I, 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 they, I know for a fact that one of them will marry a white lady. And of course the kids they will have, even though those kids will still be seen as black, but the technical thing here is that it will be multi, multi, multi-racial kids. So at the end of the day, the implication of that is that the black population, what we call the black population, they will be very diverse. And the good thing about that is that they will be less likely to criticize any race because they are connected to different races. It's like Barack Obama. Barack Obama slept in the womb of a white woman. So Barack Obama is a black man. And so one of the things that connects in this case is if you happen to be a black woman or a black man, if you have a baby with a Filipino, a Caucasian, a Latino, a Japanese, an indigenous person, that child automatically becomes black, um, no matter the, the, the level of how the, the child looks like. So this is so, so, so in this case, uh, the good thing about this is that they will not judge or look down on, on other races. Uh, one of the good things I always tell people, being uh, a, a Canadian, raised in another country, I always share my experience that in Western Nigeria, where I grew up, um, people who do not look like us, we, we were raised to, to reverence them, to respect them, to hold them up. So when we see an Indian or a Chinese or a Caucasian, we, 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 we revive them. We, 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 say that we, we wave to them. We smile. We, we, we just celebrate them. And, and so it's so difficult for people raised in that kind of environment to look down on other people. Now, 41% of black people surveyed, they trusted the government compared to 22% within the general population. So again, the implication of this is that most black people, uh, because when you compare where you're coming from, most people, most 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 African-led countries, 
And this is not this is not to to bring down the the, the black people, but most most countries are actually led irresponsibly. You know, they, they will steal the money, they will take the money into a foreign uh, bank account, and they will leave their their countries pauperized. Now, many of us, when we get here, we we, we saw that. This, this, is, this is one of the best things that could happen to us because we saw that the leaders here are very responsible. Now, responsible to us, but of course to the average Canadian who, to who cannot have the opportunity of comparing, uh, then they may not be able to know, okay, this is, this is still okay. So we have a lot of black people saying, we are good with the government, it's, it's okay. However, when it comes to policing, um, many, many black people, four in 10, um, are the ones that they will tell you, well, yeah, we, 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 we trust the law enforcement. So four in 10, which is still not bad, uh, but when, if you compare that to the general population, uh, then of course we have a huge gap, but more black people um, will tell you we, 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 we do not trust the policing system because they probably pull us over, um, ask us questions, uh, particularly if you, if you think you look, to, you, you fit a particular description. Now, this is from the, the Canadian press where, where this was shared by the CBC. It says black and racialized people are underrepresented and sometimes non-existent on boards in eight major cities across Canada. A new study from Rousey University's Diversity Institute has found both groups lacking on the boards of large companies, agencies and commissions, hospitals, educational institutions, and in the voluntary sector in Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, Calgary, Halifax, Hamilton, London, and Ottawa. So again, when it comes to involvement, th th this is part of what the black population see as, um, as, as systemic racism, where uh, if you're not on the board, you cannot make policies. You, you cannot determine issues. You cannot, even when it comes to recruitment, you, you don't have a say. You don't know what's going on there. Uh, if, if, if there's discrimination, for example, in an hospital or educational system, you don't have a voice. And so these leaves black population literally in the cold. The study of 9,000, again, this is from, uh, as shared by the CBC, the study of 9,843 individuals revealed black Canadians represent 5.6% of the population across the eight cities studied, but occupy only 2% of the positions across the types of boards analyzed. So again, you can see the discrepancy. Uh, racialized people, meanwhile, represent 28.4% of the population across the eight cities studied, but occupy just 10.4% of board positions. So if we extend it beyond the black population to other racialized groups, um, it's, still, it's still not a fair deal. Black people hold as many as 3.6% of the board seats in Toronto, but as few as 1% in 
in Calgary and 0.7% in Vancouver. So it, it appears as if the, the, the further west we go, the less the blacks have a say. Uh, that dwindles further in the corporate sector. In Toronto, just 0.3% of corporate board members are black. That's 25 times lower than the proportion of black residents of the greater Toronto area. So we celebrate Black History Month this month. And, and of course, where you have 25 times more of the people, they only give them 0.3% representation. And so this is part of what we should uh, be talking about at this time in this month. Uh, as a matter of fact, some people have raised the question as to why should we give the smallest month of the year? Why should we give it as the Black History Month? Again, that's a discussion for another day. In Greater Montreal, which has a 6.8% Black population, the study found no Black board members in the area's corporate, voluntary, hospital, or education sectors. Again, this, this is about involvement. How can we have a say? How can we actually um, contribute to the policy if we are not sitting at the table? This is very important as well. And then, of course, the, in, in Sugar, the clerk of the Privy Council and Secretary to the Cabinet had this to say, said, the past several months have precipitated deep reflection on the unjust treatment of Black people, other racialized groups, and indigenous peoples in our society. As public servants come forward and courageously share their lived experiences, the urgency of removing systemic racism from our institutions and from our culture becomes more evident. Our leadership across the public service must be more diverse. Unless swift action is taken, we will fall short of effectively supporting the government and serving Canadians. We have an obligation to our employees and to all Canadians to do better by ensuring that we are putting the full capacity of our entire pool of talent at the service of Canadians. Unfortunately, this is coming at this critical time. It could be a little bit, a little bit too, too late, but it's still something that is wonderful um, because at the end of the day, uh, the talent, the, we, we have a pool of talents within the black population, uh, but most of them are wasting away. Now, in, in terms of the calling on the public service, again, the government of Canada is calling the powers that be within the system to appoint, to sponsor, to support, and to recruit diverse population, Black people, train them, put them in positions of, of, of authority for them to put their resources to use to better the country. Now, this was written by Kyle Benning as part of the reporting. This, this is part of what the findings, um, black workers are most likely to be overqualified. Uh, job prospects also look different from, for, for black workers with many black workers in Canada overqualified for their jobs. Um, the national overqualification rate is 11.1%, but for black people, it was found to be 16 percent 
So we, we, we end up having people who have possibly master's degree uh, doing the job of maybe a high school um, graduate. And, and this continues to be something that has discouraged many black people from wanting to actually go back to school. It also found that the number of overqualified black people was similar across generations. For immigrants, the rate was 15.8%. For children of immigrants, the rate was 16.6%. And for black people with Canadian born parents, the rate was 15.7%. Again, this was a reporting as retrieved from the global news. Now I'm, 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 I'm getting close to rounding up. So just bear with me as, as, as I drive this through. Um, now, again, the clerk of the Privy Council, uh, again, mentioned the need for more commitment uh, to combat racism, uh, to enhance and enable black and indigenous people to be part of the leadership in the public service to, to actually have a diverse voice around the table. Uh, because once you have a diverse, it's, it's always good to have an aristocracy of talents, like have people who can bring ideas from different, different angles to enrich the discussion. Now, part of what the government is doing, because the government is also making efforts, the government of Canada, and this is from the website of the government of Canada, part of what they are doing to support the Black Canadian communities, and this is part of the involvement of the Canadian Black, uh, the, 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 black the Black Canadians in, in the system, is to provide up to $25 million over five years to help organizations work better for Black Canadians. Now, the question here, though, is $25 million over five years means $5 million per year. And we're talking about 1.5 million Black people. So you can see this is just a drop in the bucket. And the question that then will be, is this the worth of Black people? If 5 million, if you're going to do anything at all, do something concrete. If you don't want to do, don't do at all. So again, this, this will raise some questions as to the seriousness uh, of the government in wanting to make a positive change. Now, part of the objectives of this initiative is to support research, is to provide funds, to provide workplaces, is to provide funds to build a national web and help Black-led organizations, that is not-for-profit organizations, provide funds for new priorities for Black Canadians. But I'll tell you something, something funny I found here. Each time they plan to do something like this, I, I try to, they have a link on the Government of Canada website. And, and I clicked on the link and I discovered that they only gave a brief period, possibly like three months, within which they expect people to respond, to ask for funds and to get responses. So before you even knew that this existed, they've closed it. So again, this is part of what is going on. And then of course, we are saying we want the Black Canadians to be involved. So these are questions that we need to ask. Now, there's also an external reference group uh, that the federal government, uh, the Minister of Families, Children and Social Development put together. Now, nobody knew when they put this together. Nobody knew who are the members. Uh, nobody knew the criteria 
But, but of course, you can see part of what they want to do. Uh, they want to promote inclusion of Black community organizations. They want to target barriers. They want to remove barriers that could be preventing Black Canadians. Uh, they want to have fora to share knowledge. Um, they, of course, they want more Canadians to be, to be impacted in, in, in Black communities. Now, the question then will be, what is the modality? How do we measure the progress? Uh, who, who, who are they reporting to? So these are some of the questions that are left unanswered. So we do not want to see where we have, we have movement, but no progress. We want to make sure that we're not just moving around in circles without moving forward. And one of the ways to move forward uh, would be for the government to be very transparent, for them to acknowledge that there's a problem openly, and of course, to make open calls for ways forward. Now, uh, I'm, I'm getting close to rounding up now. Part of, again, part of what the mandate of the National Institute is to inform, influence policy and programs development for Black-centric perspective, undertake apply research knowledge development uh, in network building, and then of course, serve to improve social economic outcomes for Canada's people of African descent and their communities. Now, there are certain questions here that we may need to ask. How many Canadian, Black Canadians, are involved in this? Uh, how are they appointed? What is the budget? Uh, because over and over again, we've seen that anytime the government is saying, we want to do something to involve the Black population, if you look at the budget, it should just be a drop in the bucket. And we'll be asking the questions, is, is that it? Is this is what we're talking about? This won't, won't make any change. And then of course, it is also important to know the modality um, within which to actually measure the, 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 the progress. Now, let me, let me end, let me conclude by what a Canadian politician said, Bob Ray, uh, in, in, in what happened to politics. He said, as a country that is less than a superpower, Canada cannot rely on its muscle to make itself heard. Our influence comes from a capacity for wisdom, from being a trusted source of information, knowledge, and judgment on some of the most difficult issues facing the world. Canada can be stronger in the way she treats her Black population. Thank you. <laughs>